Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. And thus is the reading of the very word God. Well, many of you are here because there's a four-day holiday. It's a 4th of July weekend, which means many of you, like me, will probably clean the grill and throw some hot dogs, which are tube steaks where I'm from. Throw some uh, tube steaks, and you also throw some hamburgers there on the grill, and you start cooking them. Many of you will go to the top shelf, and you'll dust off that copy of Lee Greenwood, Proud to be an American, you'll you'll get that ready for the Fourth of July, and you'll you'll play it on repeat and sing it over and over and over again. Maybe you're like me; you'll watch one of your favorite movies of all time, which is The Patriot. If you haven't watched that movie, it is it grips your heart. It's moving. It's a real movie based upon, uh, of course, it's a real movie, but it's a movie based upon real people. Andrew Pickens, Francis Marion, Daniel Morgan, and Thomas Sumter, all from South Carolina. You've probably heard their names or probably been to a county like that. They're in Berkeley County, South Carolina. They were men who truly believed in the cause of patriotism. They believed in no taxation without representation. They believed that they needed to have rights and needed to have voting rights. They believed in the colonial way. As a matter of fact, this movie is based upon these men. Of course, you know the character Benjamin Martin. Benjamin Martin eventually led this militia there with the Colonial Army and defeated General Cornwallis. And one of my favorite scenes in this movie is after Benjamin's son passed away, he's like, I'm done with this. I'm done with the cause. You colonials and you militia can go and fight Cornwallis. I'm done. I'm checked out. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. And they're riding away. And he gets on his horse. And he's going to ride home. And he sees that flag. You remember that flag? It had bullet holes in it. And Heath Ledger, who played the, the son, had died. And he looked at that flag. And something happened in his heart. And he says, the cause is worth it. And he gets on that horse, and he rides back, and everyone's cheering as they see old glory fly over the hill. And if you have any type of American pride in you, you're yelling, yes, yes, I want to fight in this battle against Cornwallis. You know, that American pride, that national pride is the very thing that destroyed Judah. See, that's what Hananiah pride of. See, national pride in and of itself is not bad if you love your country. But the problem was they had more allegiance to Judah than they, than they had to the word of God. And here comes Hananiah the prophet. Hananiah the prophet, who was the nationalistic prophet of the day, the patriotic prophet. And he's telling them, you're completely okay. And he looks deep there in their soul. And they were so happy to be a part of Judah. And they were so prideful of being Judah. They had their own patriot movie where the flag of Judah came flying down, right? They were cheering and screaming. And Satan used that as a tool to destroy the entire nation. And if you're taking notes, we're just going to see five things. We'll see one, opposition. 
two at the feet, three pearls, four millstones, and the fifth thing we'll see is promises. Opposition, empathy, pearls, millstones, and promises. And as we look at opposition, I want you to understand what brought about this situation in chapter 28 with the yoke. If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar is a thousand miles away fighting on the eastern front. He's fighting another nation. And the king of Judah and all the other kings gathered in chapter 27 for this united nations. And they were having this discussion and they were thinking about what can we do to break the yoke of Babylon. We don't want Nebuchadnezzar as our king. We don't want it. So they're having this get-together, this, this national council meeting, and they're strategizing on how they're going to break away from Nebuchadnezzar. It's a good time because he's way far away. And here comes Jeremiah the prophet coming in with the yoke that's made for animals. Uh, Jeremiah is a, is, is a different prophet than we're used to. He's kind of wild and different, and he's always using these sermon illustrations, and much like he'd use a belt or he'd use a flask. Here he's using a yoke. And he's basically got one of the yoke tied to his neck. And the other side of the yoke is like, he's asking people, hey, if you want to live, yoke yourself to what God says and his truth. If not, you'll die forever. Well, that didn't set well with the court of public opinion. Because they were patriots. They believed in the cause of Judah. They believed that God had blessed them. They believed that they had the temple, and that's all they needed. They could just check the box, even though their hearts were far from God, and God wasn't going to judge them from anything. And look at verse 1 in chapter 28. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, same thing we read in chapter 27, Hananiah, the son of Azor, the prophet from Gideon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, just understand, Hananiah was a prophet from this town in Gibeon, probably next to Anathoth, which is the town of Almonds, which was Jeremiah was from. So if you really want to preach this one day, some of you seminary people, you, or if you're teaching a Bible study or Sunday school or a women's group, you can, you can talk about the two prophets and really build them up as like one for one city, one for the other city. They knew each other. Like this is really what we're getting at in this text. They knew each other. They probably went to maybe seminary school together. I don't know if there was a proper seminary school, but it sounded good. They knew each other. They were from the same. The, the scripture's bringing this out to us. People knew they were prophets, and they had to choose the one they wanted to choose. And the court of public opinion, of course, they loved Hananiah. For Hananiah was the one that was speaking to their hearts, their patriotic hearts. And this is what he says in verse 2. Hananiah says, in the presence of all these people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians took a bunch of the gold, a bunch of the vessels, and they, and they took them back to Babylon. But, but Hananiah said they're going to come back. Nebuchadnezzar took these things, carried them to Babylon. Verse 4. He says, God said, Suhanai says, I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, meaning Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, Ezekiel. They're all going to come back too. The 
declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Of course people wanted to hear that. The court of public opinion is cheering. Hananiah is our prophet. We love him. I mean, he's teaching, he's singing everything that we want to hear. He's saying on behalf of God that everything that Jeremiah said was absolutely wrong. See, the court of public opinion did not want to be confronted with the truth. They just wanted to hear what they believed. And that's the problem. And the sad reality is, look at verse 2. Hananiah believed he was speaking on behalf of God. He clearly says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. This is how prophets speak. I got a word from the Lord. Now I need to speak to you. Let me be real careful. I don't know if you remember the story. I shared this before. I had, a, I had a guy in a church one time causing some, some problems. And I said, do you ever think that Satan may be getting you to use your your thoughts and your emotions to cause division. And he's like, are you calling me a Satanist? And I'm like, dude, Matthew 16 is true. Peter loved God. Jesus told Peter, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die. A lot of bad things are going to happen to me. I'm going to die on the cross for sinners and then raise again on the third day. And Peter said, it says in Matthew, Peter rebuked Jesus. Can you imagine he rebuked the Son of the living God and he says, I won't let this happen to you. And Jesus said, Peter, Satan is using you. He is using your good intentions. He is using your thoughts. He is using something that is good. It is good to protect people. It is good to want to protect the Son of the living God. But Satan has got a hold of your heart. And you must ask yourself that question. Satan trying to get a hold of your heart. What about your intentions? Are they good? Have you sifted them through Scripture? Sincerity in and of itself doesn't get you to heaven. The question is, are you sifting your emotions through Scripture? Are you seeing Christ? See, the public opinion, this court, did not want to be, did not want to be confronted with their sin. I want you to remember Judah at this time. They went to temple, but they had horns of false gods on the altar just in case they were right. They went home and they were worshiping idols just in case they were right. Jeremiah would say that the kids would remember idols all in the land. They even sacrificed babies, killed them just in case that God was right. The whole land was filled with maybe that God is right. And God became just another box that they checked. Their hearts were far from God. And Jeremiah is here saying, God has been wanting your heart all along. Same thing that Christ desires is our hearts. Which brings us to the second part of the sermon, this empathy. Many people are going to say, well, Jeremiah is going to look and hear the prophecy of Hananiah, and he's going to mock it. Ha, ha, ha. Being sarcastic. I don't think this is sarcasm here. It's my opinion. Verse 5. 
Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah the prophet in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. I hope this is true. I hope they do come back in two years. I hope that Nebuchadnezzar and the yoke is broken. I hope all the exiles that were taken to Babylon do come back. Amen. I hope this is true. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. I think what he's doing is the same thing that Paul does in Romans 9.3. This is where my mind went. I don't know where your mind goes, but this is where my mind goes. For I wish it'd be great if I myself could be a curse to cut off of Christ for the sake of my brothers. I hope it is true. Paul says it'd be great if I could be a curse for the sake of my brother. Be nice with it. If I could be punished, and, and God doesn't punish everyone else, but it's not true. You either trust in Christ, and that, that's all you get. Paul is telling his brothers. You get Christ, and that's it. You, you get no other option. And Jeremiah is saying, yes, it'd be great. But let's just look at things logically. Let's look at things logically. Hananiah, someone who made a prophecy exactly different from mine. Verse 7. Yet hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. You've read the minor prophets. They're not uplifting sometimes, right? Or am I the only one that's reading? They're not the most uplifting things. They're, they're preaching what? They're preaching war, famine, pestilence, nine. As for the prophet who comes and prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent that prophet. Jeremiah is saying, you're the one with the new message, not me. I'm preaching the same old message that's been preached at the beginning of time. Sinners deserve judgment. Or maybe the great prophet Jesus repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Have you read the New Testament or is it just me that when I read through Jesus it's not always what the world wants to make him out to be? The prophets warn. Why? Because mankind is sinful. Jeremiah is saying you're the one with a new and improved message which will set the tone for chapter 31 which we'll get to soon. You're the one with a new and improved message. My message is the same message from the beginning. People have this idea that the message of the Bible is old. I was just in the post office. I won't share all the story. But basically I was told that the message you believe is old and antiquated. And you're outnumbered in this post office. I don't know if I have conversations like that in the post office. I don't Gideon was outnumbered. How would that work out for him? But in my mind, People keep saying, that's old stuff. People want new messages. They want new messages. And, and Jeremiah is saying, we'll see whose prophecy comes true. We've seen the opposition. We've seen the empathy. Now we're going to look at, look at the pearls. You've heard casting pearls before swine. This is where we're really going with this. You need to remember that Hananiah, his, his, his name means the Lord has been gracious. I'm not mistaken, this is the only place we see it in all of Scripture. I may be wrong. I didn't do a Bible the source check. I'm sure some of you are doing it right now on Google. And let me know. That's completely fine. 
But Hananiah means the Lord has been gracious. This was his name. He loved him. Look at verse 10. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah, the prophet, and broke them. I don't know if he smashed them or he broke them across his knee, but he smashed this illustration that the Lord told Jeremiah to take up. And Jeremiah, in his bravery and everything inside of him, he went in there and spoke on behalf of God. He was the only one standing there that believed this message. Verse 11, And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within two years. Jeremiah basically said, You're an idiot. And he takes the yoke and he smashes it. You can just hear the people. Yes! Old glory! Yes! We are the people of Judah. No one can touch us. Hananiah is our prophet. We've got our money on Gibeon, not on Anathoth. He's ours. He's from our hometown. You're done, Jeremiah. You ever think about how Jeremiah felt? Do you remember Jeremiah 15? Turn there real quick. Remember when we're going through Jeremiah and I tell you that it's not in chronological order? It's much like your Psalms. Psalms are more thematic, not in chronological order. And oftentimes when you're reading the Psalms, you have to ask yourself the question, what's the context of the Psalm? Is this in the time of the Assyrian conflict, the Babylonian conflict? Is it the time of... David, was he, was he being chased by Saul? Was he already king? Is this one from Moses? Because there's a song of Moses. Who is this song? What's it about? What's the setting? And when you get to the book of Jeremiah, it's thematic all throughout. And Jeremiah 15 is a part of the complaints. Jeremiah's complaint is woes. And many people, I'm included of those people, I believe the context of Jeremiah 15 it's right after Hananiah broke that wooden yoke. Jeremiah's embarrassed. Jeremiah's sad. Jeremiah's questioning the very thing he's supposed to do for the Lord. Look at verse 10. Woe is me, my mother. Jeremiah 15:10. Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention. To the whole land I have not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. Look at verse 12. Can one break iron? Iron for the north and bronze? We're going to see that God will eventually tell him to take the iron yoke. They broke the wooden yoke. Can they break the iron wood? You continue to read verse 20. They will fight against you. But they will not prevail over you. The Lord is speaking to Jeremiah, for I am with you to save you, deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grass of the weakness. <coughs> Jeremiah is sad. I believe that. You ever been sad when people don't listen to what the Lord has to say? You ever pledged your heart out to someone and shared the gospel? You said, God loves you. God died on the cross for your sins. If you embrace that, you give them the free offer of the gospel. If you embrace that, you'll be changed. And they just said, no, not today. Their hearts are hardened. 
Hey, Jeremiah's experiencing this. He's being laughed at. He's the only one standing up for the truth of the Lord. And they're mocking him. God said, hey, go get a goat. Yeah, it's going to make you look funny, but trust me, that's not to happen yet. And they crush him. The court of public opinion is, is cursing at Jeremiah. But we see back to chapter 28, verse 11. What did Jeremiah do? Jeremiah the prophet went his way. I get the sense here that he did not want to cast pearls before swine. Jesus says, don't give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. You take a beautiful pearl, you have to understand that they had to go find these pearls. They found them in the ocean and they were very valuable. And you take this valuable pearl and you put it in a pig pen, Oh, you know what the pig are going to do to the pearl? They're going to walk right by it. That's eh, not important. Where's my next meal? Where's the food? Where's the mud? That's the point that Jesus is getting at. You cast these pearl before swine. You give them the gospel. You give them hope. They don't see it as valuable. They walk right past it. There comes a time when people's hardened hearts you just have to dust your feet off and say, you know what? Give them over to the Lord. Jeremiah is a great example of someone who sees a hardened heart and he's saddened. And we should be saddened over hardened hearts, but also let it be known that we're not to cast pearls before swine. We've seen the opposition. We've seen empathy. We've seen pearls. And now we're going to see millstones. And if you don't know what a millstone is, you see it all throughout Scripture. If you have a floor of cement, and I cement, you can really call it a stone foundation, they would take this big stone, they had a little cylinder, and they'd sit it on top of the stone, and it would twist. It would kind of pivot in the middle, and it would just crush grain all day. They had small ones, they had big ones, but it's just a way to crush grain. What's the, the story of Abimelech, I believe? Uh, he was walking in the book of Judges and a lady got up on top of the tower and she put a small one on top of his head. He goes, kill me, I don't want a woman to kill me. Remember that story? So that was obviously a small millstone. But there's also large millstones. And there's a story that Jesus tells about people who lead little ones astray. And he says it is better that a millstone be tied around someone's neck that for someone to teach a false message and lead little ones astray. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaking this message about millstones. This is a warning that he gives us. This is how much he loathes false messages. There are a lot of people just like Hananiah doing what? Appeasing the court of public opinion. Someone sent me a, a, a video of a preacher the other day. Calls himself an apostle. I should have just stopped right there, but I kept going. And he was talking about the most recent SBC, Southern Baptist Church. They had their convention, and they, they made a decision to disfellowship with the church that was ordaining female pastors. Now, as you know, that's not very popular in the court of public opinion today. 
And the man was preaching, and the man said, You know when Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, Peter and John came rushing to the grave. But they weren't there. They didn't see the body. But who did? The, the women were already out preaching. And everybody got, ooh, and whooped and hollered. And he went on to say, The American church wants the women to be silent. But the Jesus of the Bible empowers women like he did in John chapter 4, the woman in the well. And people started cheering, yay! And I thought, well, he left out Balaam's donkey. He was empowered too. I guess he could be a pastor, right? Like, that is the, the homiletic of the day. As long as what? It pleases the court of public opinion that you can say it. And what Hananiah was doing was he was looking into the heart of the court of public opinion and he was speaking truths that just appeased the people. We see it all over Christianity. See, it's just not the crazy churches, or I call them crazy, I'm sorry, the, the churches, well, maybe I'll stand for crazy churches, the, the churches that, that still have that type of preaching. You know, there's, there's churches also that follow after the teaching of Billy Sunday, the baseball player said, Christianity and patriotism are synonymous terms. There's people that agree with us, that there's no more apostles, the Bible's the scripture. We had a member go to a church today, and he sent us this liturgy. My country tis a thief, you're a grand old flag, God bless America. Then songs from the military branches and services would come forward, they sing the national anthem, they did the Pledge of Allegiance, and they had a homily on the Declaration of Independence with scriptural proof text. I submit to you today, Hananiah is just not for the liberals. There's conservatives that have Hananiah in their midst, trying upon people's allegiance to nations. We have our allegiance to Christ and Christ alone. We need to understand, take this from Billy Graham, he says if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Patriotism can be a good thing, but it can be very, very detrimental to your faith if you have more allegiance to your patriotism like Judah did than you do to Christ. Look at verse 12. Sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke bars from off the neck of Jeremiah the prophet, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Now God speaks to Jeremiah to go speak to Hananiah. Verse 13, go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord, you have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. Oh, remember the iron he speaks about? You can't break iron. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all these nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him, for I have given to him even the beasts of the field. Everything, including the beasts, which God Loves the beast. If you, you read anything in scripture, including Jonah, right? He loves the beast. He's got a purpose for him. Everything is under the control of Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah says, you're wrong, Hananiah. Verse 15. And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. 
Hananiah has caused people to believe they were safe. He has caused people to believe that they should not fear God because they had the temple of the Lord. They were God's covenantal people. They had been circumcised. They were completely fine. It doesn't matter about your heart. All that matters is there's some external things in your life and you'll be completely fine. This is a warning to us. Do not tell people they are okay in their sin because they have been to a church or been baptized or because they're an American. Let that be a warning to all of us. We need to tell people Christ died for our sins. And if we don't have allegiance to him and him alone, we will perish forever. We must never stop believing. The Lord will judge false teachers. Be warned, false teachers. Those who look at the court of public opinion and want to appease them, your day will come. Which brings us to verse 17, the fifth thing the promises. We see opposition, empathy, pearls, millstones, and now we're going to look at these promises. And oftentimes you hear God gives you promises, and he does, and he keeps them. But sometimes we need to understand, sometimes God's promises aren't positive for that person. Now, they're ultimately positive in the sense everything that God does glorifies sin, and they're positive in that sense. But God sometimes promises to destroy Pastor David spoke this morning about promises and baptism. He meant it, and it was great, and it was good. And there's promises. You believe and obey, you'll be blessed forever. But there's another promise there too, isn't it? You don't. It won't be good for you. And God made promises, and he made this promise here. Because of your false teaching, Hananiah, will be wiped off the face of the earth. Verse 17, and in that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. Let me be careful with this verse. I heard a man one time tell a story about how somebody who was an antagonist toward him, maybe wanted to get him fired while he was sharing the gospel, the guy died. And it's almost like, yeah, I'm special. Listen, you're not Jeremiah. Not even close to being Jeremiah. Sometimes you can't put yourself in the shoes of Jeremiah. You can't put yourself in the shoes of King David. You can't put yourself in the shoes of the apostles. Sometimes God just allows the wheat and the tares to grow together, doesn't he? Just as Pastor David, I think, spoke on this not too long ago, but in Matthew 13, we see the wheat and the tares growing together. People who live in persecuted nations oftentimes don't have their oppressors wiped off the face of the mat, do they? They have to endure. Sometimes God sends people to Babylon and says, build houses there. Because you're going to be there a while. God chose to do something different here for Jeremiah to prove a point to the nations and prove a point to us that he does not put up with false teachers. As we close, some of you hear me sing. I love singing. They let me sing in the choir here at this church because they let anyone sing in the choir. But I notice some people 
It hurts their ears. They're like, you're piercing, right? You ever hear Tim Foster sing? Tim Foster sings, and you're like, that's angelic. I sing it's piercing. But my wife and Danielle and Rob and Mike Warnock and Megan Prussia sing, it's angelic. It really is. You get me and Pastor David singing, and you're like, oh, 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 something's on your ears, right? It's like, oh, oh. Tickling of the ears feels amazing. That's what the court of public opinion wants. They want your message, your preaching, your life to tickle their ears. They want Hananiah's message. And here comes Jeremiah piercing their ears, screaming. They can't handle it. They hate it. And this is the reason the court of public opinion is a terrible judge of a prophet. If you think about this July 4th, you're proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. Thought about that. That's probably the problem is our freedom, isn't it? Because we're doing whatever we want. That's our problem. We do whatever we want. And look at this. I pray and hope that your allegiance is to Christ. I'll be, I'll be celebrating the 4th of July. I love Independence Day. I love talking about it. I love the movements. But first and foremost, my allegiance is to Christ and Christ alone. And I pray and hope that your allegiance is to Christ and Christ alone. Let's ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word.